Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to be here with us this morning, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. When was the last time the world went into slow motion for you? I think you know what I mean. When one of those situations is unfolding in front of you and you want to stop it, but you don't seem to be able to do anything about it. This happens to me at my house all the time. Um, I look over and one of the kids has a glass of orange juice like teetering on the edge of the table. And I can see what's going to happen. I know the future. And I sort of say their name very quietly. So as not to cause a sudden movement, I'll say, Hazel, Patrick, Charlie, I'll whisper it so that everything stays calm. But of course, because the kid secretly wants that orange juice on the floor, they lift their elbows up, turn to see who said their name, and the world goes into slow motion. Their elbow hits the cup. It teeters on the edge of the table for an eternity, and I can do nothing about it. I try to reach out for them, but I've become trapped in molasses. None of my body parts are working properly. No! I cry helplessly as I watch the juice tumble to the floor, spinning like the International Space Station, sticky, yellow globules of orange juice flying off in every direction. The moment the cup hits the floor, everything goes back to normal speed. You know, just in time for the yelling and the crying and the wiping. You see, disasters always happen in slow motion. That's actually just how I felt last week sitting over there watching J.D. preach a slow motion disaster that I could do nothing about. No! Let me explain. If you recall, last week's reading from Matthew came right before this week's reading. Last week, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answer, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus asks them the question that formed the spine of J.D.'s sermon, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, which means rock. 
and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. No problems, right? All good. But then J.D. started to say that even Peter didn't fully understand his own answer when he said Jesus was the Messiah because just a few verses later, and this is when my ears started to perk up, just a few verses later when Jesus starts to tell him about how he would have to go undergo great suffering and be killed, Peter rebukes him. And I'm sitting over there going, no, stop. That's my reading for next week. That's my sermon. But thank God, he started talking about other things pretty quickly, and everything turned out okay. But I could see the sermon equivalent of spilled orange juice everywhere. The funny thing, of course, is that I would have done exactly the same thing. In fact, I would have gone even further if I had an associate who was preaching the next week. I would unrepentantly step all over his sermon. That guy's on his own. Because you see, these two passages, the first in which Peter makes his great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and the second in which Jesus has to call Peter Satan to his face after calling him the rock upon which he would found his church, these two passages are inextricably linked. It's impossible to talk or preach or even think about one of them without becoming embroiled in the other. Peter, the rock upon which I will build my church, get behind me, Satan. When Peter said that Jesus was the Messiah, J.D. is absolutely right. He couldn't have possibly fully comprehended what that meant, or he wouldn't have tried just moments later to tell Jesus that his death for the sins of the world must be prevented, which is the assigned reading for us this morning. Jesus begins to teach his disciples about the things he must undergo, this suffering, this death, this resurrection. And Peter, the rock, says, no way. God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. Peter, if he got his way, would stop Jesus' whole rescue plan cold in its tracks before it ever really got started. Why? Well, let's just say Peter is a little confused. And Peter's confusion about who exactly Jesus is and what he came to do reminds me of something that happened to me many years ago. Now, I'm almost 100% sure that I've told this story before, but it's a good story. And as Robbie Hart says in The Wedding Singer, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every word I have to say. Here's the story. I was an intern at a church years ago. This is when I lived in Arizona. And one of my duties was to lead a praise band, a contemporary worship team for a contemporary worship service. And uh, the associate rector of that church was a blessed man named Norm Reby. I only bring up his name because he's the hero of this story. 
Father Reby was very old, or at least it seemed so to me. Now that I'm an associate rector, I'm not so sure. Um, and I was, at the time, unfortunately unable to see him as a blessed man. I just sort of saw him as a crotchety old guy. Uh, this was, of course, be before I became an old and crotchety associate rector myself. Uh, Father Reby always seemed to me to be the kind of guy who would uh, shout, get off my lawn at the neighborhood kids. Uh, now I yell that kind of thing at my own kids. So one day, Father Reby heard our band practicing in the church. We were playing a song called, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. Perhaps you've heard this song. I sang part of it at the 8 o'clock service, and it went so poorly um, that I think I'm not going to sing it again. But it goes like this, if you haven't heard it. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. And then the chorus. You came from heaven to earth to show the way, from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Nice, right? It's a good song. Well, not for Norm Reby. He came storming up the aisle, right up to me, and proceeded to tell me that he hated that song. Why? Well, according to Father Reby, the message is all wrong. And it's right there in the first line of the chorus, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. Norm Reby, that blessed man, said Jesus didn't come to show the way. Jesus came to be the way. And not knowing any better, I dismissed that blessed man's critique as just more get-off-my-lawn griping. But he was and is exactly right. The confusion propagated by, Lord, I lift your name on high, is the same confusion evidenced by Peter in our reading. Peter, it seems to me, was like most of us would have been in his shoes. He wanted Jesus to show him the way to be the leader. And to properly do that, he couldn't die. He needed to stay around to be a good example, to be someone Peter could follow. Peter didn't quite understand that Jesus didn't come to show the way. He came to be the way, and to do that, he absolutely did have to die. You see, we are not saved by Jesus' good example. We are saved by Jesus' death and resurrection. When Peter says, this must never happen to you, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. In other words, you are setting your mind on my showing the way because you want to know what you can do and not on my being the way, the good news about what I will do for you. He contrasts divine things and human things. Human things are what you can do for God. Divine things are what God 
has done for you. Now let's be clear, Jesus did show the way. He did tell his followers a lot of things that they could and should do, but these things, like turning the other cheek, giving away all you have to the poor, loving your enemies, and listen, Paul echoes them in our reading from Romans 12, love one another with mutual affection, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, bless, do not curse your enemies, bless those who persecute you, do not be haughty, associate with the lowly, do not claim to be wiser than you are, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. These things are intended to show Jesus' followers that Jesus showing the way by itself is not enough. Who can read this list of things we are to do and not be judged by it? Not say, oh my God, our consistent failure to follow the path that Jesus showed meant that Jesus would have to walk the path himself. Showing the way wasn't ultimately why he came. Jesus would have to be the way, which was the plan all along. Remember, Jesus was the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus would have to do everything. A few weeks ago, uh, just before we were starting to process into the church for this very service, J.D. almost stepped on a bracelet that someone had dropped on the floor, and he picked it up, and we looked at it, and it was one of those, uh, what would Jesus do bracelets, WWJD. But this one, unlike any of the several thousand WWJD bracelets that I've seen in my life, had something different about it. It actually had a cross attached to it. Now, traditionally, these what would Jesus do bracelets are intended to make you think as you encounter a situation in your life, what Jesus might do in that same situation so that you can then copy him. This bracelet, the one that JD found on the floor, whether it intended to or not, put a different spin on the question. What would Jesus do? You would die on the cross for you. There's the cross right there. In other words, traditional what would Jesus do bracelets are about Jesus showing the way. Get behind me, Satan. At a cross, and you've got good news. You've got Jesus being the way. And it is at this point that last week's reading about Peter's confession and this week's reading about Peter's misunderstanding become locked together. Because you see, Peter is not the rock upon which the church will be founded after all. Peter's confession is. Who are you, Jesus? Peter's confession, this cornerstone of Jesus' religion, has nothing to do with Jesus as an example. Who do you say that I am? 
You are the Messiah, the Christ, Son of the living God. You have come to redeem sinners, raise the dead to new life, and save the world. It is upon this rock that the church is built. Last week, in another thing that J.D. stole from me, we sang Rock of Ages, an 18th century hymn by Augustus Montague Toplady. And there is no, perhaps, more beautiful hymn to Jesus as the way than this. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Should my tears forever flow, should my zeal no languor know, all for sin could not atone, thou must save, and thou alone. In my hand no price I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. If our devotion is perfect, to the point of constant holy weeping, if our desire to obey his commandments never falters, it's still not enough, says Toplady. None of this, nothing we can do can repair the relationship between a sinful human being and a righteous almighty God. What would Jesus do can never save us. Jesus himself must save, and Jesus alone. In our hands, no price we bring. Simply to his cross we cling. What would Jesus do can't save us. We are saved by what Jesus has already done. Amen.